Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television series. Tonight we're going to be talking about episode 9 of season 2, 40 Ounces of Furlough. Joining me this week is the host from The Because Show. Would you like to introduce yourselves, ladies? Yeah, this is Susan and Amy from The Because Show. And I'm Aaron. I'm topsy-turvy. I got everything backwards tonight. Already this podcast veering wildly off the rails. Uh, (laughs) This episode, we got some exciting news uh, up front uh, as soon as I finish introducing the episode. Susan actually got lucky enough to be invited to a panel in Los Angeles, I'm assuming, about uh, with the Orange and New Black cast and crew. Or is it just a cast? Um, It was the cast. Okay. And she's got some uh, insights and tidbits to share with us as soon as I get the, this last little bit out. So this episode is directed by S.J. Clarkson, who's got a lot of television experience on both sides of the pond in Britain and the, the Americas he's directed, or she. I'm actually not sure who S.J. is. They directed Heroes, House, Dexter, and Ugly Betty. Also written by Lauren Morelli, which we talked earlier in the season that she's the writer that, uh, through writing the show, discovered that she's actually gay. She's a lesbian, and uh, this is pretty much the only thing that uh, she's she's worked on professionally. But thought she did a excellent job. Um, thought this episode is very entertaining. Before we talk about that, let's talk about your experience. Two nights ago was it Tuesday night or it was Monday night? Just, it was just last night. Just last night. So fresh. And also, um, Pialani was also there. You may know her as a previous co-host to this very podcast. She just finished up last week. So, uh, yeah, she'll be, she'll be back for the uh, finale episode. But yeah. So you guys get, were able to meet up there. That's cool. Yeah, totally cool. Um, so let me get right into the juice. Yeah, Juicy tell juice. us all about it. Um, so Gingy, the, the head writer, mm-hmm. the lady that writes the show, basically. Creator. The right. creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there, and she had a lot to say. Um, the um, the book, as you may know, um, is slightly different than the show, mm-hmm. and she admitted right up front that the show deviates from the book pretty much after episode one mm-hmm. um, because they didn't have life rights to the people in the book. Oh. And I, I thought that was an interesting word, mm-hmm. life rights. We don't have their life rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they couldn't... Um, use those particular characters. They also wanted to add a little more um, drama to the show. Okay. Um, There was a lot of good stuff that happened in the books, she was saying, but um, they needed to kind of tie it all together into characters that had something to say. Sure. And I'm sure they needed to make it a story with a plot. Yeah. With a beginning, middle, and end in each episode. I like that. I like that in my entertainment. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Totally. Um, so another little tidbit, um, the host asked, um, Piper, I'm not good with names, so I'm just going to use their character names. That's fine. Uh, okay. The, uh, she asked Piper, um, what is the, the scariest thing about doing the show? And Piper said, getting naked. Hmm. Mm. So it's good naked. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So whenever she had to do a naked scene where her, she said her boobies had to show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty much the first time you see her, you see her boobies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's what roped she, me into the episode, honestly, yeah, the, exactly. the series. Totally. Boobs. Mm-hmm. So she always has to have like a really long talk with Gingy about yeah, the time. scene every time. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a naked part, it has, she has to like break it down, talk to Gingy about it. Really, just that is like the most frightening part to her. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. 
Um, another little tidbit was Nikki was there. Mm-hmm. Right on. And I think she's one of my favorites. She's the best. Oh, I love her. This is Natasha um, Leone, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. She's great. So she evidently is very much plays very much herself. Oh in wow! The show. Wow. So what you see of her character on the show is pretty much her. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> and she kept alluding to her past, and I don't really know anything about oh, her yeah. past. Oh yeah, she's been arrested. She had like a big drug problem. Okay. Really? So yeah. that's what she's talking yeah. about. Yeah. But she, she didn't, like, come out and say it. She just yeah. alluded to it. Mm. Yeah. So you can, um, the internet will tell you all about it. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, internet. Um, let's see. What else? Um, oh, another really exciting thing that I got to hear was that they, Gingy writes and creates and does this show pretty much um, all from herself. There are other writers, yes. Right. The actors do not get to step foot in the writer's room ever hmm. as it should be. And, um, there is no, like people write her letters and everything, but nothing influences how the show goes. So, you know how there's some shows where you can, um, write in and if like hundreds of people are writing in and say, you know, Superman needs to find a girlfriend or whatever. Like Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. <laughs> that sometimes the writers will listen to that mm-hmm. and appease their fans. Sure. But Gingy is like, absolutely nothing that anyone says influences the way that I make the show. Oh, I totally respect that. Yeah. I think the Netflix model probably is a great help on that too, because yeah. Yeah. you know, if for, for both HBO and Netflix, by the time we're seeing it, it's already gone and into can. Yeah. Yeah. The, the right. most you could hope to influence is next season. Right. So yeah. And they were asking like how many, like, what response did you get from season one that influenced you mm-hmm. for season two? And she's like, none, zero, <laughs> zilch. I wonder, do you, I wonder if that's absolutely true though, because part of me wants to say that some of the feedback she got, which, and maybe it's, it's more positive than negative, which is there's so many colorful characters. We want to see more of them and less of Larry and Piper. And in season two, yeah. so far we've seen a lot less of Larry and Piper and a lot more emphasis on the rest of the cast. Yeah, I wonder if that was always the way it was going to be, or is just something she learned from making the show. Or I mean, she's got to read some of her own press. I don't know. I mean, she probably reads it. I don't know if she she may be right. It doesn't influence her. I think she probably had a lot of the show mapped out, the seasons mapped out Mm -hmm. to begin with. You know, it wasn't like she wrote season two after season one was over. Yeah, like I'm sure she was writing all during and working on it. Yeah, so yeah. Well, and plus, I give her credit as a smart person that as she's probably editing and watching the episodes herself, she's like, wow, look at all this, these other characters. I need to make sure I get some writing in for them, too. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think we, the viewers, have to take, <laughs> take credit, credit necessarily for that. What yeah, else you got from, from the beginning? What else you got from the uh, evening? Um, just like two more things. Okay. okay. Um, after the whole panel, uh, there was a chance for people to go up and ask questions. And one of the questions was... Um, how do you prepare? How did you prepare before the first season to do a show in jail, in a women's jail? Like, how did you prepare for this role? And almost everyone said that they watched Lock Up mm. on Lock MSNBC. Up. Yeah, it's it's a show. It's like kind of like a reality show. Yeah, where it just shows the different prisons and what happens in the prisons and. Huh. 
Did they so, go to a prison? You would think they would have to go to a I don't women's know. prison. I guess I think the um, the set is very, very, very realistic. Mm. I believe that. And it looks, I mean, it looks yeah. realistic. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like they are in jail a little bit. <laughs> yeah. right. Except for way better. Yeah. Better right. craft service. <laughs> um, also, uh, this one lady came up and asked Genji um, how much genetics played a role in her success. And then Genji said, um, that's my mom. Oh. <laughs> it was her mom oh. there. And ask that question. That's yeah, because really he's like 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Very sweet. Awesome. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, man, that's a pretty ballsy question to ask. Yeah, was it some kind of nepotism <laughs> accusation? But no, you're. Yeah, totally. That's cute. Your yeah. mom's allowed to embarrass you in public, I'm pretty sure, all the time. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it, really. Okay. Well, thank you for yeah. your boots on the ground report on that. I appreciate yeah. it. That must have been so fun. It was so great to see the whole cat. Like, they were just up there acting like a bunch of girlfriends, like, yeah. hanging out, having a drink. They yeah. were, like, silly and... Um, That's awesome. Boo was very outspoken. Uh-huh. I imagine. Which was, but in a, in a fucking hilarious... Oh, I'm She's, sorry. In a hilarious way. No, no, you can, you can, you can fucking so say whatever you want on this show. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's really great. Um, mm-hmm. She did tell a story about the first... Uh, when, when she... Um, auditioned uh-huh yes she, she didn't hear back and then uh her agent told her like well you know i'm sorry you didn't get the part that you read for and then she went home and was like god damn it if you know if there's a show on tv about a women's prison and there's not a part for me in it mm-hmm. then i need to just quit acting uh-huh. <laughs> that's it that's yeah. it but uh, i guess Gingy wrote a role for her yeah, and then um, she became. It started out as a small role, and then after episodes, she really yeah. liked what she brought to the show and wrote her more and more in as one of the main characters. So. That's interesting because I Reddit had a um, a crowdsource interview. They call them AMAs, Ask Me Anything's, uh, and mm-hmm. Uzo Aduba showed up on one last week. Uh, she's mm-hmm. the person that plays Suzanne slash Crazy Eyes, and what she mentioned is she actually went out for the part of the track star. I believe her name oh, is Janae, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and didn't get it. But something about her look, and you know, she's Juilliard trained, uh, you know, professional uh, actress, <laughs> and how much versatility she had made same thing. Gingy uh, recast her as this other part. So I wonder that must be exciting to get this big casting call, and then like you know, start plugging people into it. And oh, I didn't yeah, know I could do uh-oh. this. Now I can do this. And I it's thought that's really, pretty yeah, cool. Very cool. And one thing that. The crazy guys did say was that um, they, they were asking each character, like, if you could get to the essence, like, what is, like, the, a short sentence of the essence of your character? Mm-hmm. And she said, um, crazy eyes, uh, Suzanne is like a child with a pacifier and a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And everything is 100% from the heart. Yeah, I believe that, too. Like, she's a, she's a truth teller. Yeah. She mentioned that, too, in the, the Reddit interview, that uh, she tries to play, like, a scary child. And right, I think yeah. she mentioned this pacifier and, and the sledgehammer. The other thing I really got is how much fun that they just have on the set and the filming process and how kind of tight knit the crew is. She just oh, yeah, it seems like, like there's like it seems like a lot of fun, a, a really fun set to be on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could totally tell up there just how they were interacting with each other. It was very funny. Right. Uh, well, let's talk about the episode Forty Ounces yeah. of Furlough. This uh, told the backstory of Red and V. And also mm-hmm. featured uh, Piper's furlough, her get going to her grandmother's wake and funeral and turned out to be her brother's wedding. 
Um, <laughs> in general terms, what did you guys? What what's your? Let me let me take your temperature. Number one on the episode, and then at this point in the season, uh, without spoiling anything to come, where 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 were you guys at on the season as a whole, as far as liking it better in season one or etc. I really love the backstories. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it just makes the season for me. Right. Yeah, I think I liked it better than season one. Yeah, at that point, I'm the, was, I'm I'm the same. Yeah, it was really getting a lot deeper into everything, and um, I really enjoyed it. And it felt yeah. more like uh, relaxed in a way. Like they knew they were a hit, and so they didn't have to try as hard to get another season. You know, it felt more established. I guess. Right on. Yeah, right on. It's like the first season was. All Piper's backstory, mm-hmm. kind of. Yes. And then season two was yeah, it's much more ensemble. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was good. And this episode was good. I was like, yay, Cal, lots mm-hmm. of Cal. He's the best. <laughs> He's so funny. So and it was a good episode. It was good to see Piper out. You know, it was really yeah. Cool. That really surprised me. Which part of it? Just her out and what she does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Part. It does yeah. give. It, there's a different kind of energy when they get outside the jail, um, yeah. which is kind of interesting. And it's it's not just her; it's the other characters when they kind of break away as well. But let's just get right in. Uh, the first thing we see is Piper. You know, first thing in the morning, she's getting called to processing to go on her furlough. Red's being very maternal to her, um, mm-hmm. and she gives he, she tucks away the address to her bakery slash market and says, you know, take the in train. She's really wanting her to check out to see how her baker's doing. Uh, she gets frisked and does all this. Cal picks her up in the green machine, which hilariously apparently runs on um, vegetable oil that his, yeah. wa- his, his fiance slash lover slash uh, fellow hippie Neary barters with from someplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's really upset that she missed it. And Cal kind of puts her, her fears to rest said, you know, she was asleep most of the time and then she was asleep forever. And I said yeah. goodbye for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was all like, I, I felt okay about that. Yeah. It seemed like they kind of, it seemed right. right. It. Yeah. Yeah. But when, when red put that slip of paper, just, just to back jog a little mm-hmm. in her pocket, like gave her that address. Did you feel a little sense of foreboding? Like, Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I was trying to figure out whether Piper, because, you know, Piper is also a selfish kind of person. I was wondering, you know, she's only got 48 hours. Is she really going to take this trip for for Red? What would she actually find out? Um, It's honestly less of a story than I thought it was going to be. I kind of thought it was going to be something bigger than it ends up where she just shows up and it's shuttered, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought maybe she would actually get to meet one of the sons and see, you know, talk to him about kind of how desperate the situation is. But I guess it's not much desperate, more desperate than just being closed out. Yeah, I liked it. I liked <laughs> yeah. that it was just a quick thing, but the implications of it were really big. Yeah. Because right. then Piper's got this dilemma, like, what, is she going to tell her or not tell her? If she sure. tells her, what would I do? Sure. You know, so I like it was a quick thing with larger implications. Yeah, it was a quick thing, but a huge can of worms. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that we're going to have to wait until next episode to open, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Red and V square off over to commissary because, you know, V ostensibly is still managing that whole shindig and Red's just getting tons and tons of spices and weird stuff. And they're kind of sparring and trying to figure out each other's intra-prison criminal enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, you know, we talked a little bit um, before the season about, 
you know, our predictions and one of my predictions was I think we're going to see a lot more kind of Oz level shit going down. Mm-hmm. And I continued to feel for starting last episode and this one, I'm like, oh man, we're really, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get there. And then we got a little taste of uh, a good old fashioned prison beat down this episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, found out something about Nikki. She is like Aaron, yours truly a little Debbie whore. I fucking love right, those right, right. things. Yeah, what I forgot what she said, but it was really funny. She's like, you know, those those oatmeal pies that leave the oily residue on your fingers, but are somehow so delicious. Yeah, you know My, what I feel like that about what? as a tangent. But um, oh, they're so disgusting. But the pre-packaged Rice Krispie treats, oh, oh. they leave that like, marshmallow film on your tongue, and it's so good. And they taste like chemicals. <laughs> oh, so good. I love those. I I would agree, except for it's so easy to make fresh ones. If I can make a fresh little Debbie. You'd have to have lab equipment, I feel like. You would have to be like a Walter White Breaking Bad type of thing. That and Twinkies. So if you're out and about and you're just like, oh, I really want a Rice Krispie Treat. There's one. Actually, I don't really want one. I'm usually like, oh, hey, I'm going to eat that. Yeah, well, so. yeah there's, um, there's this place there's this place called Great Wolf Lodge. It's like an indoor water park that we have here in Ohio. Uh, and they sell like five-pound versions. They're like you know a, a foot on each side marshmallow treat square. <laughs> Oh my so in God. case you just want to, in just in case you want to die eating one, uh, yeah, I can <laughs> ship you one. Use it to float in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's sure life preserver, emergency shelter. You can hollow it out and, and hide inside in case there's like strong winds. Eat your way out. Um, but she's saying that look, Red, you're going about this all wrong because what what you you can't buy our affection. What you really need to do is you know say you're sorry, which. We'll, we'll see how that plays out throughout the episode. Uh, and then right about then, Porn Stash happens. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. I, I'm glad you guys said that because I feel like the reaction is really sharply uh, divided. There are people really? that hate the character, just hate, and there's people that love to hate, and I love to hate him. Love to hate. Oh, yeah, love the best. to hate. He's I, a terrible man. And, He's a terrible But an awesome character. TV character. But an awesome, yeah. yes. And it's just That's something true. funny about... The, how seriously he treats he takes oppressing these women like he's I got know. all the regulations and he's got this interesting kind of like patter to it this machine yep. gun it's style just, delivery i i love it it's like a little bit of power you know it's yeah. his job yeah yeah Let's, yeah and i don't know what that oh, i can't remember the the music they were playing under his entrance but it was great it was perfect it's not. I think it's more it's not just his job it's like his life calling yeah <laughs> oh yeah, you know? yeah yeah he couldn't he he probably I, I would be interested to see him be assigned to a men's prison, and I'm trying to decide whether, like, he secretly has a boner to go to a men's prison so he can really like you know see how it's like on the front lines of there, or whether he knows that he wouldn't last five minutes inside a men's prison and mm-hmm. prefers the women's prison where he can just kind of be a giant asshole bully. With yeah, a boner. I, I think he at a men's prison. I think he would. Be uh, ten times an asshole. I agree. And then, but then get his ass kicked right. and or raped, and then like go whimpering away. Can That's you get your ass kicked and raped at, at the same time? Person? Sure. <laughs> Can you do that if you're a, cor- an, a corrections officer? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I don't it know depends. How ass raping. It's and a takedown. Works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I get you know yeah. guards do die in like prison riots and stuff like that. Sure. So yeah. Uh, maybe it'd be a, a Green Mile situation where the other prison guards get together and like, look, asshole, you're going to get us all killed, and maybe. we're going to we're going to schlock you if you don't if you don't step yeah. in line. <laughs> totally. Uh, 
good question that Bennett has in the next scene where he confronts uh, Caputo about this. Uh, his suspension's up, and he's like, how can that be? And I'm like, yes, if this is actually statutory rape, how is this man off suspension and back in jail? Like, Fig's an idiot, but my God, that's that's on a whole other level. Well, yeah. the system is broken. The, indeed. indeed. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Fig was behind that somehow. Mm. Wasn't she? No, no, she totally... Yeah, because she's mad that the prisoners are starting to get lippy and even her yeah. underlings about the conditions. So she thinks, you know, she imposed a shot quota and this is the guy who can definitely fucking run a shot quota. It's true. Yeah, he's a one man shot quota. Yeah, he totally. Is. Um, but I'm like, yeah, this that's that's one of the kind of realism problems. It just seems like a guy like that would never get back on the inside once you, you know, rape a prisoner. Um, next scene with Healy and his therapist, which I was delighted to find out Deidre Lovejoy, who played the, uh, one of the district attorneys in the wire, one of my all time oh, favorite shows. Oh, the yeah. wire. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I can't remember her name is Rhonda something or other. Um, but I thought she did a really good job in this kind of therapist analyst role. Mm-hmm. And Healy was scary. Like how, how close to the surface that kind of anger um, I mean, two minutes into the conversation, he's calling her a cunt. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he did a little switcheroony there. Yeah. How so? Like he he like went all crazy and like I wasn't expecting that. Were you yeah. expecting that? No. I don't. I guess not. I wasn't yeah. hugely surprised, but no. See, and I'm not. I wasn't surprised that it helped him when he got back to his desk either. Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting him to be more like, you know, emphasizing how put upon he is and what an impossible situation, kind of make him seem heroic. But yeah. no, he let his ass show immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks interesting because at first, like the first episode, I kind of liked him. Yeah. I hated him. And now I kind of like it, like, kind of like him despite myself. Again. Sympathize with yeah. him, maybe? And I'm like, like, well, he just seems so much more human now. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I understand. Feel, I feel bad for him. Like, you understand his trials and tribulations. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like you get to see, and we got some feedback on this at the end of the episode, but how humanizing this is. Because even the villains, with, like, maybe the exception of Pornstash, Mendez, Mm -hmm. that they all have kind of layers. And, you know, the prisoners, you see, they've done horrible things and some Mm -hmm. not-so-horrible things, but they're all in this jail and they're all people. Healy's the same way. He is a giant scumbag, asshole, homophobe. But he also kind of cares and tries to do the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his life is kind of sad. Yeah. It's not black and white. You can't, you can't just purely hate him. And you certainly yeah. can't purely give him a pass on everything, too. Yeah, it's true. Um, back to the prison, we see Nichols is talking about her relationship with heroin. It's totally the best girlfriend she's ever had. She thinks about it every day. Mm-hmm. I notice V is in the background reading The Fault in Their Stars. Uh, which after a meeting, she tries to push off on Rosa, the cancer patient, and Rosa doesn't doesn't give a shit about that. I I think yeah. I, is, is this another attempt to sell Rosa on cigarettes, or is this now V? Uh, it seems like this is her trying to start moving the the drugs that she's brought into the prison now. She's targeting people Maybe, that yeah, might I'm trying be trying to like gather allies. I think yeah. you know yeah because that's not like, something. That's not something you can push as openly as cigarettes. You know, right. there's like black market and then there's black market, you know? Right, right, right. So she's doing this. She goes after Nikki, too. And Red is around the corner. She does not like this one bit. Mm-hmm. Bennett tries to put Red in her place. Uh, but it doesn't really work because she says, you'll make a great father. And now yeah. suddenly he realizes how exposed he is. Yeah. 
Uh, that triggers a flashback to Red's first day in. And I, Kate Mulgrew, Mulgrew who plays uh, Red, I think did a really good job of portraying her as a younger, you know, mm-hmm. more vulnerable type of prisoner than what we've seen yeah, her so far. I want far. to know how long ago it was. Like, how long has Red been there? Yeah. I think she's been there a good 10, 15 years. Five years? 10 years? I don't know. I... Yeah, uh, that's something that we've tried to figure out, you know, like how long has Rosa been in there, etc. Um, it looks like that this was pre-Rosa because Rosa, they went yeah. to that, and, and I don't understand how this works either. Like they've got these, you know, cells that they rotate prisoners into before they rotate them out into the bunk type area. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yet this seems like the same people are there. And I wonder, is yeah. that is that supposed to be a slightly higher security part of the prison? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, like, why is Rosa always, there, always in the, there? Yeah. In the newbie. Right. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. and Anita is always there. She was there from the beginning. And I, I wonder if this is a slightly more secure part of the prison and prisoners have yeah. done something like, you know, Rosa mm-hmm. is a bank robber. God knows what Anita's done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's probably bad. I just wonder if they use that as kind of, um, where they shuffle the minimum security people into just until they've got a place made for them on the other part of the prison. I, I don't know. No mm. idea. Yeah. Plus it's like, the, it I, I just, makes sense to me. No, then Anita wouldn't have been there for all those years. Just well, sitting there. I, and again, maybe she's like a triple homicide person and she's just never, you know, this is a minimum security she's going to ever maybe. get, but no, I don't know. It could have been 10, could have been 15. They yeah. they said, didn't they say something, you know, when the, the, the previous time when, when V first got in, she got those cigarettes out of the wall outlet. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like that Gloria might have said something like, these cigarettes taste like they're seven years old or something, which kind of... <laughs> I think just she's they're like, stale. They're, they're 10 years old. Or yeah. She did say a number. Yeah, yeah that right. might be a hint of when V got out and kind yeah. of like, you know, how long she's she's been doing that. I, I, but I, it's hard because then you also have to balance it with... While she was out of prison, she must have found Tasty as a young woman and raised her into adulthood, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah, yeah so I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know either. I wonder if Gingy knows <laughs> or if she's just kind of making shit up. Uh, so anyway, Red kind of explains the vendor hookup she has there. Also, V, uh, the black girls come in and, and uh, give her the welcome wagon and tell her to be there at breakfast. And she kind of plays it aloof and cool. Because she's obviously eyeing up the, the the girls in charge and seeing who she needs to to mm-hmm. uh, put in the place. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to present. Pusey, who's now on board with V's plan because she's trying to get back into good graces of Tasty, has got this really slick library system where mm-hmm. she's putting the tampon tubes in the books and checking them out. And now the library is the goddamn most popular place in the prison. Yeah. Um. Cal and Piper and Larry meet at Larry's house and Piper remarks about the Larry house smell and they and kind the of upholstery. I love what she said. Yeah. She's like, look, upholstery. And Larry and Piper have, have got this dance that lasts most of the episode where they're like immediately start fighting. But yet also Piper is kind of trying to put the moves on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that That's was accurate. weird. That's accurate. Yeah. I, I just feel like, again, Larry and Piper, I feel, are really gross as a couple and <laughs> not interesting. And so it's like, oh, how much of this episode I'm going to have to put up with, you know, this kind of low rent moonlighting scenario where, <laughs> or, you know, is she going to take him back? Is he going to take her back? 
Yeah. Well, it was obviously pretty over, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They just need to to call it, which is sort of what happens. Well, didn't Larry kind of refuse her right there and then? Well, I mean, and then he just he had just slept with Polly. Polly, yeah. right? right? Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, that was like only two episodes ago. He didn't yeah. outright refuse her, but he also was the way he, you know, because she was fishing about staying with him, I think. You know, talking about how nice everything was and her stuff was all here. And he's like, uh, well, yeah, you can stay here if you want to. And she's like, well, thanks for the glowing invitations. I felt like she was, he was trying to keep her at arm's length. But I didn't get the sense she was fishing to stay with him. Really? I did get the sense that he wanted her. Yeah. And she was like, that was the most uncoldest welcoming or whatever. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, he was definitely, he definitely giving her the cold shoulder. He definitely did not want her there. Yeah. Uh, then we have Piper at the, as her grandma's showing because she had these grandiose plans to go to these bars and all that. And he's like, no, actually, we've got some family stuff to do. And I don't know how much you guys can relate to this, but anytime you're away and then you go back to like home, and you have these, and your your family's always trying to push off these obligations, and they've got everything like planned out to the last detail. Yep. And there's no yep. there's yep. no room for fun in the schedule. It's yep. booked up with old people and, and all stuff. the stuff. I have to say, I simultaneously love and hate um, her mother's face. <laughs> like it's so pinched, so uptight. Like that woman is yeah. so tightly wound. Nah, yeah. I I don't know. I've I I Piper's whole family, Cal exception, Cal as the exception, and I guess her grandmother's exception seems like kind of a train wreck. Oh yeah, yeah. total train wreck. Definitely, they're very proper, very and waspy, like so waspy. Yeah, proper and like no one's talking about anything. Yeah, everyone's mm-hmm. probably drunk all the time. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so so squares off against porn stash and announces that she's on a hunger strike. Mm-hmm. And Bennett uh, tries out his role as the cooler. You know, he's. I. What is the what is Bennett's deal? There's a couple things to it. What do you guys think his he's he's noticeably angrier and more on edge this episode? Yeah, he. I think he's scared because a lot of people know. Yeah, he's what he up, did. He's pretty upset that porn stash is back. I mean, he very upset. Not only because he doesn't like him, but he they set him up. I mean, they did a horrible. He's a horrible man, but they did a horrible thing to him too. Yeah. Right. He had sex yeah. with his girlfriend and. Right. Yeah, so he's he's having a hard time adjusting to that. Uh, Piper is getting white girl wasted at the reception party because she hasn't yeah. had wine in forever. Right. She's making drunken passes at Larry. Piper's dad's explaining the reason he hasn't visited his only daughter in prison is because he can't see her like that. Oh, yeah. God, that made me mad. Uh, oh, terrible, terrible father. Awful, yeah. awful. And he makes this statement, which is kind of a theme for the episode, that that's not the person that you are. Right. And she's yeah. like, maybe it is. And she's like starting to wake to the fact that, you know what? I might be closer to me than what this thing I've been doing all yeah, my life I think, is. I felt like she was in a space where she doesn't know who she is right now. She's neither yeah. nor, kind of, you know? Like, she's kind of doesn't really belong in that prison. Mm-hmm. But she's, her old life, she's changed too much now, probably to slide back into her old life. So, right on. She's a, in the show, she's supposed to be like mid twenties, late twenties. No, she's early thirties. Early thirties. I would say I, I actually think she's supposed to be late twenties. I think 20s. she's. Early, I did the math at one point. Okay, like with the how old she was when she did the crime and the statute of limitations. Like she said, it's been like seven or eight years. I think she's about. I think she's around thirty. Well, if you've okay. done the math, I bow to you because I try to avoid doing that at all. Okay, <laughs> at I every forgot, turn. I forgot it, but I, I remember it was around around thirty. 30. Yeah. 30. Okay. 
So she is she is in that zone of late twenties, early thirties, yeah. where it's like, okay, I got to get my shit yeah. figured out totally. because I am an adult now. Oh my god, I'm thirty, and I'm going to be forty pretty soon. Yeah. So mm. I have to get who am I? What am I doing? Right. So she's at that very difficult point where she does need to, and she realizes she needs to get her shit straightened yeah. out. Sure, and this is, I feel like that prior to her arrest, because that thing happened like years and years, maybe five, seven, ten years ago, that she mm-hmm. kind of did. She had reinvented herself in this new kind of uh, New York yuppie type of personality. And now I think she's this prison thing, which seemed to be a curse at first, might be something that she can use to reevaluate that decision. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That maybe I'm that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't really true to her, her herself. Yeah. Uh, Larry and her attempt to have very awkward sex. Horrible. Uh, which leads to the best line of the episode. Do not defend your boner to me right now. Because <laughs> they're arguing I mean, flaccid versus chub. Maybe, um, when her grandma said that kitten heels were the boiled carrots of shoes. They were really funny. It was really funny. What, what, so what type of heels are those? Kitten heels. They're those shoes with these teeny little pointy heels on them. Oh. They're very hard to, they're like short, very hard to walk in. Short, like teacher heels? Or is that... Kind of, maybe. Teacher heels are more frumpy. These are more like yeah. a vintage like a 40s or 50s kind of uh, thing. That's yeah. why I'm glad I have you guys on the show because I had no idea what the hell those those were supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, he, he finally, as she has his uh, flaccid slash semi-hard cock in his, her, her mouth, he drops the bomb <laughs> that he slept with someone. And she wants to know if it's someone she knows. And he says yes. And then shit just falls apart. And they both yeah. kind of realize... Uh, it's over. And first of all, like they're kind of like this. Oh, oh okay. So pointier. I'd like that's a, like a mother goose shoe, is what I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, it's like kind of a mother goose shoe. Okay. okay. All right. You, you, you folks, on, you, you folks on the podcast can't see this, but they are they are schooling me on uh, on shoe fashion. <laughs> um. So first of all, you should never tell someone that you slept with someone else while your dick is in their mouth. That's, that's a that's a pre dick in mouth situation. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, she was kind of taking charge of the sausage. Yeah. She wasn't yeah. trying to hear his mealy mouth objections to all this. That yeah. situation is just destined to fail. Mm. When you've got a reluctant guy like that, dick isn't going to happen. No. <laughs> uh, but she was. To be fair, she was uh, not probably evaluating all this stuff correctly because she had a whole bottle of wine in her and she just had this disappointing thing with her dad and she's been in prison for god knows how long i think it's funny that she just took it for granted that larry had remained faithful to her even though she hadn't done the reverse um but having said that i will say this was a this was a way more mature actual breakup than i suspected from these two yeah it was you know they both can acknowledge that they still love each other but it's not it's not heading in the right direction, and there wasn't a lot of anger. It was just, you know, yeah. sadness. And mm-hmm. um, and that, he didn't that. tell her who with. Yeah, he didn't. She said she didn't want to know. She didn't want to know. Right. Which, of course, as women, we know that it was only a matter of time before she wanted to know. <laughs> oh, my God. I wouldn't have lasted five seconds. Be like, who is it? Mm. Uh, so is that better or worse? Because he said, well, trust me, you don't want to know the specifics because then you just play it over and over in your head. You guys are obviously in the I want to know school. I have no self-control yeah. in that situation. Situ- I have to know everything about everyone all the time. And I've it's bitten me in the ass so many times, but I never learn. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. you want to know, but you don't want to know, you but you want to know. know more. But you have to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you hate that you know. Then you yeah. wish you didn't know. 
All right. And you're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> next time you do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sosa's in the laundry room trying to explain the finer points of a hunger strike to Leanne and Pinsatucky. And uh, Leanne at one point says, nobody likes you to Pinsatucky. And she smashes her face into a clothes washer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two notable things. Number one, uh, Soso's description of porn stash is like a D-list Burt Reynolds, but more rapey. <laughs> like you have to clarify, but more rapey. Uh, and also that they, uh, the, the, the nickname for Soso is Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to backtrack a minute and say how much I liked when um, Pensatucky and Healy realized they were kind of kindred spirits with their anger problems. Yeah. No. And that was really when she's like, are you inside my head right now? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. It's, it's turning into a after school special that they're uh, it's, or one of those like cheesy 80 80s films where, you know, the teacher goes to the really rough class. Like, the, I think Denzel Washington was in Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Stand and, and deliver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, Taryn Manning is really – Pensatucky is, like, quite the character. And I think she's doing a great job of making her even seem more three-dimensional. Not quite sympathetic, but more three-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, the, with the new choppers and the fact that she's lost her Queen Bee status – yeah. Uh, slash cult leader status in the laundry room. It it has kind of made you feel a little bit sorry for her. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Oh, the Golden Girls going to shake down the Latinas in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. That uh, was fucking rad, I thought. That was an awesome scene, but I did not believe it. Okay. You know, uh, like it was a great scene on a TV show, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel at all realistic to me, I thought. If that was yeah. a real scene, the younger girls would have been like, fuck you, old lady. Really? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know because I kind of bought that. So these are girls on probably plea bargain deals to be in minimum security prison versus these women who were in maximum security prison, but because they're old and considered no longer threat, have been transferred. And I don't know. I I, I want to believe, and maybe it's just a little Hollywood magic, but I want to believe that yeah. those uh, badass old ladies could go in there and yeah, take a sharpened knitting knitting owl yeah. and cut a bitch <laughs> if they had to. Yeah. Talk it about was a great. It was a great scene. I yeah. just don't know. If I, <laughs> I think it's it. it's kind of like they're the bumblebees. Like they've been badasses their whole life, yeah. and they, uh-huh. they just think in their head. You know, we yeah. can do this, so no one's saying they can't. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. They just totally believe. Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. Plus, it's like, what are you going to do? Punch grandma in the face, especially when she's yeah. talking about chopping her old man's dick off and holding right. it and flopping <laughs> around, and <laughs> it's the best, yeah. the best, best thing she ever did. She talk, thinks about it every night. That's right, exactly. <laughs> um, so that brings on another flashback where V and Red are once again flashback buddies. Mm-hmm. Red starting her empire, uh, slow and steady, and V super impressed, and she's called away to deal with something. Um, back to the present, Bennett and Daya, Daya are having a hand job conversation in the closet. Mm-hmm. So romantic. <laughs> Yeah, this like uh, history, television history is replete with examples of really awkward hand jobs. Uh, you know, Skyler and Walter White had one in the pilot episode of Breaking Bad. We got Daya and Bennett here. Um, it seems like Daya has recontextualized what they did to Pornstash. Um, and I, this is something that we've been talking about amongst the other hosts is how they've really evolved this relationship between Bennett and Daya where in the first season, maybe we thought it was cute and we we're kind of pulling for him, but more and more this is kind of taking a darker turn that you realize that the line between what he was doing to Daya and what Daya and Mendez were doing, what Mendez was doing to Daya, there's, 
there's a lot more in common with those things than there are dissimilar. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I see your point there, definitely. As yeah. much as I don't want that to be true. And, and it seems like she feels pretty bad about what she did. I don't know if that's why she's like, well, he feels this way about me, you know, or whatever, or he loves me. Right. He's like, well, he had, he, he had sex with you. Like, well, so do you. He goes, but I love you. She's like, so does he. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, the fact that he's, I don't know, the concept of him as an innocent I have a hard time with because I kind of more in the Bennett school of he's done something he probably should be in jail for, so fuck him. But still, I don't know. Having that on your conscience, I, I, I don't know what that'd be, what that'd be like. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think he's done something so he should be in jail and fuck him. I think just because someone's a shitty person doesn't make it okay for you to do a shitty thing to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I understand the justification and saving Bennett and this whole thing, but like you knew that was not going to work out. Certainly, yeah. just you know. And that's the whole the fact that like what was he thinking? He's having sex yeah. with the prisoners, no condom, mm-hmm. uh, which we found out a couple episodes ago. And what was his plan? Like, right. yeah. what really, really, Bennett, what the fuck were you thinking? Right, right. No, it's a terrible. I think reality is, is sinking in now that she's getting, like, more pregnant. Yeah. Sure. And everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. And, and how many people know, not just that she's pregnant, but who the dad is. That's got to be yeah, all kinds yeah. of uncomfortable. Uh, Leanne w- comes up to the library and wants the quote-unquote special stuff from Pousset, which serves to let us know that uh, Pousset knows that this has gone beyond cigarettes, which clearly bothers her. Yeah. Um, Cal and Piper are on the stage at their mother's funeral talking about their grandmother. That scene was unbelievable. Yeah, Cal hijacks a moment to marry Neary, basically. Impulse control problems are running amok in this family. Uh, (laughs) Did you think the scene was awesome? Was it uncomfortable? Was it both? What? Go. It was so uncomfortable. Uh, It was... I... I have nothing to say about that scene. <laughs> I could barely watch it. It was so uncomfortable. It was awful. Yeah. To watch, but wonderful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it was great, but it was super. I was just like, yeah. oh my God, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. Especially since I kind of, it somehow would have been better if I thought it was a spur of the moment thing, but as the scene unfolds, you find out that they have been planning this the whole time. Yeah, to yeah. hijack the oh, wedding and like everybody's there. They have they don't have to pay for it. They got the yeah. food. They got the church. Yeah, yeah. You know? and grandma's there. Yeah, right. I mean, it makes perfect sense inside Cal's head. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> and since everybody there has a massive stick up their ass, I'm kind of okay with it. But no, that's a super yeah. gross thing to do at your yeah. grandmother's Someone funeral. Stop him. It yeah, was really yeah. funny. No one could though. That's the that's the problem yeah. with having stick up your ass. You you just yeah, can just huff and puff, but you can't actually do anything about it. That's <laughs> true. Uh, they want to eat the world, which is a callback to uh, the the advice that Grandma uh, always gave the Piper to, to eat right. the world, Piper. Yes. So I kind of maybe that made it okay too. I don't know. It didn't. It, it was not okay. I I feel like I feel like grandma if she would have been alive would have been okay with this happening at her funeral. Right. I mean, you know, in retrospect, but um <laughs> I wonder if grandma was alive but also dead with the full the, you know it's, it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, know what I'm saying like would she still be okay yeah. with it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Or if it yeah. was someone else's funeral, I'm pretty sure right, she would have exactly. scolded her Cal. Ghost, her ghost was probably there thinking like, awesome. Right. This is great. Yeah. Mm. This is great. I'm mm. glad this is happening. Uh, Pousse goes to confront Tasty about the heroin that's going into the, the prison because this is a whole other level of shit she's getting into. And Tasty doesn't have one bit of it. She physically mm-hmm. threatens her and says, don't get in V's way or mine. And that's mm. pretty much it. Tough scene to watch. 
That was really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It was really, really sad. And Pusey's so awesome. Was she at the thing on Monday last night? No, she wasn't. Oh there. my god. She, I think she's I know I say this every time. I think she's so pretty. She like, is. So, oh my god, she's so beautiful. Yeah. And she's such a good actress, and that scene was really difficult. I think she's another one that has I think it's her and uh, Uzo that has the Juilliard degrees, but Oh, did she have one too? I believe. I know yeah. another one of the other girls do, and I think it's her. Um, yeah. So Pinsataki is having a meeting with Mr. Healy about, you know, the whole smashing Leanne's face into a clothes dryer, clothes dryer thing. And he assigns her mandatory anger counseling uh, as his kind of after school project. What did you guys yeah. think about that? I know you said you mentioned it in passing, Amy. Oh, right. I thought oh, yeah. we skipped Are that. you in my head? I right thought now? we skipped yeah. that scene. <laughs> Are you in my head? I love how she's so dumb, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, kind of like, you're so dumb. <laughs> um,. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I kind of like that they, I would not have expected those two to sort of bond like that. And I liked it that they were. I wonder I, why no. did he choose her as a, men, a mentor? Is, is that like low hanging fruit that if he can just get her to stop bashing people's heads into appliances, that that's a win or probably, and he probably feels some, you know, yeah. some of that. The anger is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they have that in common. Because sure, he's, sure. he's so, isn't he so caught up and he's like, I'm a nice guy. I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I want to help these girls. Yeah. And then, like, here's his chance to take this, like, yeah. super easy thing yeah. that he thinks will be so easy to do. And he's going to he's gonna be her angel. He's going to be her shining light. And- right. Yeah. No, I think that's one of the, the things that he's going through growth because so much of his problem is this cognitive dissonance between his statement, his self image of himself as a nice guy who has mm-hmm. an important job. And mm-hmm. he really cares about what the reality is waking up that he is not a nice guy. He's bitter and repressed and angry has a hateful view towards large swaths of the population. Yeah, um, yeah. Of, namely almost every woman and particularly uh, lesbians. And uh, that, that, you know, he, these are things he doesn't like about himself, and he's trying to fix it. So, bravo. I mean, yeah. say what you will about Healy, it's but it, it's super courageous, especially for a guy his age, to try to do these kind of life changes and go to therapy. That's that's pretty brave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Red, we find out what all she has been, you know, why she's been up in Gloria's ass for produce and spices and all this stuff. She's cooked a giant family dinner in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. With the Golden Girls as kind of the butlers, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she has uh, Yoga Jones and Big Boo and Norma and oh shoot, the girl she burnt. I can't ever remember her name. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. Yeah, and um, Nikki. And Nikki and and uh, she wants to sit down and she says, "I'm sorry to everybody." Uh, sh- they also say, "Well, it's not just that, but also we don't like being pushed around." That's Morello's also there. So she promises to be more of a democracy. She just wants her family back. I got kind of a lump in my throat when she said that about the family. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see them all get back together. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Big Boo is up to – she didn't like it. Boo is already counting her 30 pieces of silver. You can kind of see her there in The Last Supper. She's already skulking off to to betray. Do you think think it had anything to do with – when Boo's like, oh, don't you have anything nice to say to me? And she's like, thanks for being such a pain in my ass. Do you think Boo was just like, fuck off? Or do you think she had that plan to begin with? I th- Well, so they had this quick cutaway where Boo dropped her napkin and saw between her legs and saw the, the open culvert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that was, okay, I've got this big chip now. 
Do you think yeah. that was the turning point? That was a turning point, and then I yeah. think I think it's combination that then she was going to see if maybe Red would have a genuine moment for her. But Red, right. which I thought that's the right way to play it. I don't know, and and only because Boo had this evil notion in her mind that she rejected. But I kind of feel like that's the right way to interact with Boo. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine getting mushy with her. Like gruff, you know, kind of uh, chuck on the chin or a <laughs> punch on the arm. Hey, you know, that's the way you yeah, interact like, with her. Joking. Yeah, yeah jokingly. Yeah. yeah. Cajoling. I mean, what is Red going to say? You're like the diesel dyke daughter I never had? Or, I mean, like, <laughs> is that what Boo wants to hear? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it does trigger another... Red flashback where one of the uh, one of these girls comes up and says, "I want to buy you out of your new uh, uh, black market business." And Red's very confident in saying, "Oh, you've you picked the one fight you can't win. You go back to your to to your boss and tell her I want to talk to her," mm-hmm. which is uh, going to be a huge miscalculation. Uh, Gloria's berating her uh, kitchen crew for letting the the Golden Girls uh, run train on them. Hmm. And Flacca said, well, one of them looked like a Disney witch. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Flacca's hilarious. Oh, my God. And then just as they're wrapping up with that, the Golden Girls come back, and Red has replaced all of the stuff that she stole. Yeah. But Gloria's still like, Jesus Christ, I am in a bad situation here. Yeah, poor yeah. Gloria. She's trying to play it straight, not get in trouble. Uh, next scene is Bennett notices a cigarette butt in the women's barracks and goes fucking ballistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you guys think of this and the fact that Pornstash had to wait in there to uh, put a stop to it? Yeah, Bennett was a little out of control there. That was, I mean, it, it comes from that bad hand job in the closet, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> That's what bad hand jobs will do to people. Yeah. Yeah. He was pissed. Yeah, no, I know. He felt like he was just like, it was all, he was so built, he was so pent up, and then it all just yeah. came out because it didn't with the hand job. <laughs> it was all pent up and it didn't come out. And that's why <laughs> exactly. it came out <laughs> all sex nuts that's, and that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, he's 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 under a lot of stress, mm-hmm. and it just it's got to come out somehow. Yeah. It's, the interesting thing when I was watching this for the first time, I saw the way Mendez, the way Pornstash looked at Bennett as he's in like this mid rim page, and I'm like, oh god, they're going to be like fucking buddies, and this is going to make things even worse for Bennett. What yeah. were you guys thinking on that score? I like when you see the flashes of humanity in Mendez. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes it harder to think about his situation and to think about how sad he is when you see him actually being human you know yeah but I, I liked that because he, he, he kind of had a look of surprise like oh shit what is that yeah. guy doing yeah right and it's it's that's a true because so like porn stash is like crazy in love with daya because he's yeah. probably she's probably the only yeah. woman who seemingly willingly had sex with him yeah um i don't know how to feel about that though i mean what does it mean for a guy like mendez to be in love with somebody that's, it means when he finds out he gets what? set up, he's going to go apeshit. Uh, uh, they almost discovered cigarettes and only the male's uh, irrational fear of tampon and feminine hygiene products saves the girls from being discovered. Uh, nice touch. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a so. brilliant way to hide cigarettes, by the way. Yeah. Because who, really who would That'll think? Who would think? Yep. Um, totally. Some old folks, uh, family rations of Piper are being super insulting at Cal and Neary's uh, reception now talking about hey we know this disappointing period in your life is going to be all over soon Piper mm-hmm. um, and she's like you know what fuck you fuck this walks out decides, yeah, this is who I am yeah. 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 decides to check in on Dimitri's which we talked about it's been shuttered 
and drinks a 40 ounce on a bridge and eats a greasy burger to celebrate her freedom. Yeah. yeah. Poor Piper. Hmm. Good for her. I also like that at the viewing when we saw her, she was wearing too much makeup. You know, she was yeah. just like, she's wearing a lot. She looked good. She's wearing a lot of makeup. And I think that was probably purposeful. Like, she doesn't get like, to wear I'm it out. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And she yeah. kind of lost her touch a little bit about sense of like, what's, what's proper or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Judas Boo betrays, Buddhist, I'm going to call her. Buddhist betrays <laughs> Red to V uh, for 10% of the, the cigarette taken to prison, which is not too shabby. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not like Red's a fantastic person, so it's one of those things where I'm not sure how I feel. Is that Boo just being oh, you smart? You gotta like Red. I Red's like Boo awesome. too, though. Awesome. You have to like her. Yeah. She's got her shit together, and she takes care of herself. Mm-hmm. She knows how to survive in prison. She does. And Kate Mulgrew is killing it this season. I thought she oh, she's great. She she's was great. Nominated. Great, but kind of one-dimensional in the first season. But she's mm-hmm. just great and just fully realized in this 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 Very season. Great. I have a question. What's the deal with the stamps? Like, I understand they're the currency in the prison, but do they actually have a what are what's the plan? They're going to go cash yeah. them in. So here's what I've I've uh, pieced together really. from from some side research and some listener feedback because we I don't know if you heard we had a really long take from a former minimum securities women prisoner. Oh no, you haven't. A couple episodes ago, but I guess the way these prison economies work is. People buy things from the commissary that have some kind of value on the outside world, like stamps. So then V has people that come in to visit her. She gives them the stamps or somehow has a way to smuggle them out, and they sell them for like 50 cents on the dollar. Kind of like uh, Gloria's food stamp or EBT thing where she buys them a half value, and then they got this elaborate scheme to – it's not big money, but it's enough money to stuff her commissary that then the account with stuff that she can use for bribes and stuff like that. So. Okay. Okay. Oh wow, that's very clever and intricate. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like it's it's definitely not something that makes money on the outside. It's more mm-hmm. about getting a prisoner power and influence on the inside. All right, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Flashback to Red and V, or V's coming to see what uh, her problem is, and Red's genuinely shocked that V's trying to muscle in on her and gets a savage beating, which poor mm-hmm. Silent Norma can only watch helplessly as it happens. And, you know, it was another tough watch because Norma, when she finally goes to Cradle V and she just doesn't know what to do, or I'm sorry, Red, she doesn't know what to do. Um, she's such a sweet, innocent character. I hated to see that. Yeah. 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 That, w- that was a tough watch. I'd be interested to see her backstory, though. That's going to be good. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. If they ever yeah. get a real, like, how will they tackle? Maybe she used to talk all the goddamn time until she, she got to prison. Sure. Or- <laughs> yeah. You know, why can she sing? Yeah, I definitely would love love yeah. to hear more about that. Uh, Tasty gives Nikki a taste of heroin, a little mm-hmm. little little starter packet to get her to get her back in with her, her favorite girlfriend, which Nikki doesn't know what the fuck to think about. Yeah. Uh, finally, Caputo and Bennett are talking about the fact that Bennett just flipped his shit and went off reservation, and Bennett is all amped up on emotion and decides, even though Daya told him over the hand job, do not make a decision without consulting me. He goes ahead and pins the pregnancy on porn stash, which makes Caputo super happy because now he can find, he fucking hates him as much as we do. He can get rid of him. And that's the episode. Yeah. The end. The, the end. end. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Did you guys have anything closing part, parting thoughts before we get into some uh, light pimping and some feedback? 
Um, one of the things that uh, Red was at the panel too, and you guys were saying how how great she was in that flashback scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, just her range of of character and range of emotions that she shows. Um, she actually said that right now, what she's doing now is like her dream. Like she's in heaven. Wow. It's it's like. She said it's the best acting job she has ever had in her entire life. Oh, my gosh. And uh, <laughs> Better than and being she, stuck on a shitty Star Trek show for seven years? I can't believe that. <laughs> she did like that. Though. Yeah. Did, um, I'm sure she did. Yeah, but she, she said that she feels like she's finally at her essence. Like, oh, my gosh. This is – what she's doing now is her essence right that's now. That's great. Like, she's so happy. Yeah, that's great. Does she seem as fucking tough in real life as she does in her various roles? Like this woman's super intimidating on the screen. Did she come like across she's, that in person? She's really funny. I mean, really, she, she is so. She's to me like she's such a complete woman. <laughs> like, yes, she is that tough, mm-hmm. and like, yes, she is that soft, and yes, she is that hilarious, and huh. yes, she is that smart. Interesting. I love her. I do. <laughs> she is every woman. It's all in her. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you like what we're doing here on Bald Move, and I'll actually give you guys uh, a chance to introduce your stuff here in a minute, um, you can support us in a couple of ways. Number one is using our Amazon.baldmove.com link. If you're going to Amazon, use Amazon.baldmove.com. It takes you to the same spot, except for now, your shopping cart is preloaded with love. <laughs> and we get little, we get love in the form of pennies from Amazon, and uh, it helps us out a lot. Uh, you can also go to subbable.com slash baldmove. Check out the pitch there of how you can convert your dollars into podcasting goodness and get some interesting, unique bald move memorabilia and custom content opportunities. You can also, if you can't do any of that stuff, please tell a friend or family member about baldmove.com and all of our fabulous shows we have on the network, or leave us a ratings and review on iTunes. One of the uh, awesome shows we have on the Bald Move Network is the Because Show that uh, Amy and uh, Susan and Jerilyn, who's not here, are running. Would you like to tell them a little bit about that show? Sure. Um, Yeah, it's a lot of disgusting overshare. Yes, it's awesome. (laughs) And I have to tell you, Aaron, we had a call last week from a nice, young, 22-year-old guy. The Montana. I heard that. From Montana. So all you people listening to the show now should also listen to the Because Show. If a 22-year-old guy from Montana loves our Because Show. With a cute, cute accent. Then you should. Then too. you will love it too. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, you guys are very smart, and you guys are very funny, and you have a tremendous amount of interesting life experiences, both past and currently happening. We're every woman. Yeah, you are every woman, and it's it's <laughs> it's really very entertaining. And I've learned a lot. I've laughed a lot. I've been uh, really enjoy. I mean, obviously, we were fans of you guys before you came on the network, and super happy to have you here. Okay. Hope we can do more of this stuff in the future. Definitely. If you ever want to know what a middle-aged uh, white guy from the Midwest thinks about an issue, you know, call me up. Well, <laughs> I can yeah, speak at length that. as an expert on that area. Um, yeah. But no, you can find all that stuff on baldmove.com. Um, and thanks for everyone listening and supporting us. Let's get to some feedback. Yay. Michelle B. from Louisville says, Something in your last cast made me think. One of the things I love about the show is the variety of characters, stereotypes, and it, to me, is a true representation of the world and how people interact. Sexuality runs in a big spectrum from women who are truly lesbians in and out of jail to women who just crave human contact and affection. It's a lot like real life, at least in my experience. I find that so interesting, and your co-host mentioned that they were relating down to a basic people level. 
to these individuals. Yes, they are divided by race, but isn't that a reaction to feeling insecure and wanting to feel like you're not alone? I continue to find this show so interesting, and I wish that there were more shows like this. I know a lot of people who have a narrow view of sexuality and race issues and have a hard time seeing that people are really the same at this base level if you remove the labels. Shows like this are impressive in their ability to work around these stereotypes, making them making fun of them and to show how untrue most of them are. I thought that was a pretty strong take. That's a great email, yeah. That is a good email. And it's... I think that this one thing that I love about the show in the second half of the season is it does a lot to kind of shine a spotlight on how fucked up some of the things in our culture is about race and sex and especially, you know, prison and sentencing and how kind of fundamentally unfair it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it can do that in an entertaining way, more power to them. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, Kevin says, love the podcast. Just thought I'd write in with a couple minor observations. I think you missed in episodes 205 and 206. In 205, Low Self-Esteem City, there is a cameo of sorts by director Andrew McCarthy. In this scene where Gloria is arrested, Tia takes the kids back to the shop. And at the end of the scene, standing outside of the door is a cardboard cutout of Mr. McCarthy holding, I think, an ad for cigarettes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's wow. very cool that he worked himself into the episode. Good catch, yeah. Uh, also in episode 206, you have a pizza. You also have a pizza. Jimmy shows up at Caputo's show at the end covered in filth. That's the eldest of the golden mm-hmm. girls who is compassionately re- released, quote-unquote, from prison. She's covered in, in filth. Earlier in the episode, she wandered into the greenhouse while Red was busy with her illicit activities. It's my understanding that Jimmy used the tunnel under the floor to escape, and that's why she was dirty at the end. We were discussing about how she got out of prison. The guards seem incompetent, but not so much that they leave a gate open or some other means for Ginny to just walk out of the prison. I think she crawled up through the tunnel. Do you guys have a take on that? Because I do. I, I, her crawling out the tunnel did not occur to me. I think they just showed a shot of her kind of wandering off. Yeah. Like, it did show an step. And the, the thing you've got to remember is this is a minimum security prison. Yeah. Like Piper is, uh, you know, can, has wandered out into the loading dock pretending to be like checking for, you know, circuit board. I, I do think it's possible, especially in a situation where you had effectively two people running the whole prison for this girl to just wander off. Yeah. Yeah. But she could have also taken a tunnel. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a possibility, but I also think that she could have just wandered off and gotten yeah. filthy dirty like an old lady wandering through the world in the middle of the night could possibly get. Yeah. And voting for the wander off. Yeah. Uh, Christina S. said Latinas and Latinos in California listening to all of the 80s new wave music. This is a subject that's been come up on the podcast from time to time. Uh, she was actually, this is all about a connection that young Mexican-Americans, even though the girls in Litchfield are Puerto Rican, feel to Morrissey, not the Smiths, mind you. But so true. No, it I totally... It, Here in L.A., the Smiths are huge, huge with the Latin community. I did, I did not know this until I, I'm a big fan of Chuck Klosterman, and he wrote a book. I want to call it. I want to say it's Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, where he wrote like a, a, a um, uh, not a novella, but uh, you know, a journalistic piece about how crazy Latinos love Morrissey. Yeah, and, someone, a guy at work, a Latin guy who's hardly like a young gangbanger but so Mm -hmm. told me that downtown they have something called morisioki (laughs) oh my god i know and they're all gothed out singing morrissey songs i'm like i want to go i like that's awesome i'm like the white suburban girl in the 80s but i liked them too yeah (laughs) but it's she she fills in a little bit she goes they they feel this connection to morrissey not just the smiths mind you but morrissey by himself in particular Mm -hmm. which is all about an identity crisis as well as a rejection of the bourgeoisie 
Chicano, Chicana kids don't feel fully Mexican or fully American. There's an in-between space that they do, and they do have this soap opera melancholy that you mentioned associated with the sense of not belonging, the uncanny metaphor being La Frontera or the border. Big, um, so she mentions that about the Latinos. That's great. She mm, then that was good information. transitions to our favorite diesel dyke, Big Boo, and a perpetuation of gender bi- binary, binary or binary gender roles. Who's the man? Who's the woman? Or your butch, your femme? Mm-hmm. Actually, she says within the gay community, there's an empowerment associated with being able to choose these roles. It's a little bit intellectualized, but the idea is that the fun of choosing the roles is a product of social performance and not an imitation of natural quote-unquote heterosexual, quote-unquote original. Also, the difference between male and female, again in quotes, do not represent a hierarchy or an equal balance of power. They're just roles. Although I totally agree, no one should feel sexually harassed. Um, Thank you for that email, first of all, Christina. Uh, Did you guys have any thoughts on the latter part of the gender binary roles? That that email was very informed and articulate. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of got lost a little bit. I'm like, (laughs) A <laughs> on your term paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But that was very well written, yeah. but a little hard to understand. <laughs> it was over It was a lot of topic sentences. <laughs> I think it's I'm with that. it's interesting because I've had to educate myself about this because growing up in the Midwest in a very fundamentally religious background. You know, you're taught that basically it's man, woman, husband and wife and everything else is an affront to God and, and an aberration and it's unnatural. And what I've realized um, educating myself is that there that it is, that there's people's sexuality, uh, their gender uh, in terms of masculine and feminine and then their sex is, you know, the actual hormones and biology of it is such a huge continuum. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And I also think that the fun, I mean, I've never been, had to struggle with being gay because I'm not gay, right. but it would seem like once you're that outside the mainstream, you, it is kind of, you can kind of decide for yourself. It's like anything goes, you know what I mean? It's kind of like being a woman over 40. You don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> it reminds so, me, but, oh, go ahead. If, if to understand that basically like stereotypical male means more dominance, female means soft and you know, submissive, submissive. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so within the gay community, like taking those quote unquote roles doesn't necessarily mean if you dress like a man, you're the more dominant one. Right. Is that what I'm, is that correct? They're saying that that's not, I mean, there are probably, I think, I think she would say that there are probably the very, you know, butch people that are stereotypically masculine and they kind of do that stereotypically of gender roles, but it's also just as, just as likely that you might see someone uh, adopting that butch as a persona, but then inside the house they might be very submissive or feminine in other respects and everything in between. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. a lot of us are like that too. Yeah. You know, and, totally. And it's like, you know, I was, I was seeing a thread on Reddit where there was a, a, um, a male to female transsexual and, you know, she was talking about being a woman and there was these people correcting her. It's like, no, you're really a man or you used to be a man. And I was thinking, like, mm. what a frustrating experience that must be to be like, no, I've always been a woman. Right. Uh, my body was fucked up. Strong body. Right. You know, totally. it's like that's a, such a frustrating concept. But yet I also can understand the people speaking from a sense of ignorance wanting to be kind of like the gender police about it. And right. it's just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that the people most affected have to buy, you know, bear the brunt of the kind of ignorance and bigotry there. But uh, it's not even bigotry. It's just, it's just mostly ignorance. But yeah, anyway. get your mind around it. 
Love talking about that stuff. Love continuing the education. So thank you, Christina. A couple quick hits from Facebook. Ben R. said, that I still contend that Taylor Schilling is a great actress. Uh, he's, he's, he's had a season long, uh, campaign against uh, wanting me to like Piper and like Taylor Schilling. It's a losing war, but he bravely fights on. He says, I'll go so far as to say that I was completely blown away by her crying scene on the airplane in the season premiere. I understand what Pialani was saying about Piper not really conveying a lot of emotion, even when she was granted furlough for her beloved grandmother's funeral. I interpreted her lack of emotion basically as being a bit of uh, her being a bit of a cyborg sometimes, even when faced with heavy emotional catharsis. I'm very much the same way. Sometimes when really important things occur in my life to me or others, I love it doesn't really register on my face. I thought this was very much in keeping with Piper as a character, and I think Taylor sold this well as an effect of her character. You guys buy it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't hate her like you do, so yeah, yeah. I think that. Uh, I, I think she shows emotion. I mean, there's some people that are just not as you know outright in your face emotional well and look how she grew up i mean if you want to really just yeah. look how she grew up look at her mom they were like it is not okay to show your emotions in that family yeah yeah i guess and i i, I can identify also ben because i'm the same way i'm kind of and to the point i've talked about in previous podcasts there's you know sometimes where a life event happens i feel like you know i should probably be crying or sad or overjoyed and what the hell is wrong with me am i a cyborg um yeah you are <laughs> I eventually get there. It just takes me this, but but I feel like here's the thing: when I finally do break down and I start bu- bu- uh, you know bubbling and crying, no one would sit there and say, "Boy, he's a really poor crier. He's a bad acting at crying." That's my problem with Taylor. <laughs> I just feel like she's she's. It's not. I think Ben wants to ascribe this as a feature to her character, and I'm saying that she is written as a person who's got emotions that tend to be kind of fairly close to the surface. She's just really bad at showing them. I don't know. It would be really interesting to see another actress play that part. You know? Like to see other people's auditions or like just another person's interpretation of the same part. I don't have a name right off the top of my head that mm-hmm. I would like to see in this role. But yes, that would be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Matthew M. said, Aaron is not alone in being confused about Rose's ethnicity. I mentioned last the podcast with Pialani that I was shocked to find out Miss Rosa was... Uh, Cuban. That I thought that she was always some kind of Eastern European. Yeah, she seems like sort of Russian. Yeah, like she has this big, this 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 plotting big trouble for moose and squirrel accent. Yeah, but then Pialani's like, no, I totally buy that. If you take the Rosa's kind of Cuban Scarface accent and you age it thirty, forty years, it turns into that kind of husky Slavic deal. So yeah, I feel like the show probably did their due diligence with that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. He says, I swear during the first Rosa flashback, I was racking my brain trying to figure out which Hispanic inmate it was. I was right there with you, Matthew. Um, that's all I've got for feedback. Uh, if you'd like to send us more, you can do so at orange at baldmove.com. You can also play along on our podcast recap threads on facebook.com slash baldmove, where you can also stay up to date with all the releases of Amy, Susan, and Jerilyn on The Picasso Show. Uh, you can also follow us along on Twitter at baldmove. Uh, for same, would you guys care to give your social media? Because you you have the bald move site where we kind of all use, but you also have your own site where you get up the hijinks. Uh, well, we have our Facebook page, mm-hmm. we have our Twitter feed, which is at the because we have a voicemail line. Do not know that number. <laughs> we don't know it. Listen to um, listen to a show. It's worth it. You'll get all that information. But you should listen to our show. We we don't hold back very much. And we don't have all this, like, you know, pesky TV show stuff to talk about. So it's really just personal. <laughs> right, right. 
So like, like, like last, last episode, you talked a lot about uh, feminist topics. Do you have any kind of teaser for what you're talking about this week? We have no, we, oh, come on. We very rarely yeah, know. You really overestimate us. What we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah. But you would be very surprised about what comes out it's of a, our it's little mouths. Pretty much a free-for-all. Yeah. What right. comes out of them, what goes into them, all kinds <laughs> of things. Cool. Well, look yeah. forward to seeing it later on this week. And uh, thank you so much for helping me out on this podcast. Enjoyed having thank you on. I don't, are you guys coming back a time another time, or is this your last one? I think this is our last one. I think one. it's our this last, is our last one. one. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to call in for our big uh, wrap up show, reunion wrap up show? All right, cool. Maybe. Yeah. All right, we'll put we'll you down. Up. We'll pencil you in. <laughs> yeah, pencil us in lightly. Totally. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for uh, uh, helping me out tonight, and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, bye, everybody. Okay,